Hey guys, this is Nile and welcome to Greek Mythology with Nile. This is the podcast where I, Nile, crazy lover of Greek mythology, will tell you more about it. So, well, in today's episode, I will be telling you how the Greeks thought the world was built. I will be telling the versions which make most sense to me as there are a lot of there are thousands of different versions of the stories which I will be telling in this podcast. The stories will be in a lot of detail. So in the starting of the episode in the starting of this podcast and in some of the few episodes I will be covering the Greek gods and I will be explaining in a lot of detail some of their stories which are most listened by people. And then I will also be uh, covering some of my favorite Greek heroes in the later episodes of the podcast. So well, let's begin with today's story. At first there was pretty much nothing. And there was a lot of nothing. The first god, as you can call it, was chaos. A gloomy, soupy mist with all the matter in the cosmos just drifting around. Here's a fact for you. Chaos literally means the gap. And we're not talking about the clothing score. Eventually, chaos got less chaotic. Maybe it got bored with being all gloomy and misty. Some of its matter collected and solidified into the earth, which unfortunately developed a living personality. She called herself Gaia, the Earth Mother. Now, Gaia was the actual Earth, the rocks, hills, valleys, and the whole enchilada. But she could also take on a human-like form. She liked to walk across the earth, which was basically just walking across herself, I guess, in the shape of a matronly woman with a flowery green dress, curly black hair, and a serene smile on her face. The smile had a nasty disposition. You'll see that soon enough. After a long time alone, Gail looked up into the misty nothing above the earth and said to herself, You know what would be good? A sky. I could really go for a sky. And it would be nice if he was also a handsome man I could fall in love with. Because I'm kind of lonely down here with just these rocks. Either Chaos heard her incorporated, or Gaia simply willed it to happen. Above the earth, a sky formed. A protective zone that was blue in daytime and night. The sky named himself Uranus. So there's pretty much no way you can pronounce that name without people snickering. It just sounds wrong. Why didn't he choose a better name for himself like Deathbringer or Joe's? I don't know. It might explain why Oranus was so cranky all the time. Like Gaia, Oranus could also take human shape and visit the Earth, which was good because the sky is way up there and long-distance relationships never work out. In physical form, he looked like a tall buff guy with longish dark hair. He wore only a loincloth and his skin changed color. Sometimes blue with cloudy patterns along his muscles. Or sometimes dark with glimmering stars. Hey, Gaia dreamed him up to look like that. Don't blame me. Sometimes you'll see pictures of him holding a zodiac wheel, representing all the constellations that pass through the sky over and over for eternity. Anyways, Uranus and Gaia got married. Happily ever after? Well, not exactly. Part of the problem was that Chaos got a little creation happy. It thought to its misty gloomy self, Hey, Earth and Sky, that was fun. I wonder what else I can make. Soon it created all sorts of other problems. By And by that, I mean the gods. Water collected out of the mist of the Chaos, pooled in the deepest parts of the Earth, and formed the first seas, 
which developed the national con- consciousness, the God Pontus. The chaos really went nuts in thought. I know, how about a dome like the sky, but at the bottom of the earth? That would be awesome. So, another dome came into being beneath the earth, but it was dark and murky and generally not nice. Since it was always hidden from the light of the sky, this was Tartarus, the pit of evil. And as you can guess from the name, when he developed a godly personality, he didn't win any popular contests. The problem was both Pontus and Tartarus liked Gaia, which put some pressure on her relationship with Uranus. A bunch of other primordial gods popped up, but if I tried to name them all, we'd be here for weeks. Chaos and Tartarus had a kid together. Don't know how, I don't know how. Call Nyx. Who was the daughter of the embodiment of night? Who was the embodiment of night? I'm sorry. The Nyx, somehow, all by herself, had a doctor named Himera. Who was they? Those two never got along because they were different as, well, you know. According to some stories, Chaos also created Eros, the god of procreation. In other words, mommy gods and daddy gods having lots of baby gods. Other stories claim Eros was the son of Aphrodite. We'll get to her later. I don't know which version is true, but I do know Gaia and Uranus starting having kings with very mixed results. First, they had a batch of 12. Six girls and six boys called the Titans. These kids looked human, but they were, much, they were much taller and more powerful. You'd figure 12 kids would be enough for anybody, right? I mean, with a family that big, you basically got your own TV reality show. Plus, the Titans were born. Things started to go sour with Uranus and Gaia's marriage. Uranus spent a lot more time hanging out in the sky. He didn't visit. He, helped with, he didn't help with the kids. Gaia got resentful. The two of them started fighting, and as the kids grew older, Uranus would yell at them and basically act like a horrible dad. A few times, Gaia and Uranus tried to patch things up. Gaia decided if they had another set of kids, it would bring them closer. Oh no, that's a really bad idea, Gaia, why don't you realize? But she didn't, and she gave birth to triplets. The problem? These new kids had defined the word ugly. They were as big and strong as the titans, except hulking and brutish in desperate need of a body wax. Worst of all, each king had a single eye in the middle of his, of his forehead. Talk about a face only a mother could love. Well, Gaia loved these guys. She named them the Elder Cyclops and eventually they would spawn a whole race of other lesser cyclopes. But that was much later. When Uranus saw the ty- Cyclops triplets, he freaked. These cannot be my kids. Don't, they don't even look like me. They are your children, you deadbeat. Gaia screamed back. Don't you dare leave me to raise them on my own. Don't worry, I won't. Uranus growled. He stormed off and came back with thick chains made from night sky, pure darkness. He bound out the title Cyclops and tossed them to Tartarus which was the only part of creation where Uranus wouldn't have to look like them. Harsh, right? Gaia screamed and wailed, but Uranus refused to release the Cyclops. No one, had, no one else had dared to oppose his orders, because by, his, by this time, he was getting a reputation as a pretty scary dude. I'm the king of the universe, he bellowed. 
How could I not be? I am literally above anyone else. I hate you, Gaia wailed. Bah, you will do as I am say. I am the first and best of the primordial gods, said Oranus. I was born before you, Gaia protested. You wouldn't even be here if I didn't. Well, Gaia couldn't finish a sentence because Oranus, you know, uh, he's like, don't test me. <gasps> I've got plenty more chains of darkness. Uh, so, as you can guess, Gaia totally threw an earthquake, but she didn't see what she could do. Her first kid, the Titans, were almost adults now. They felt bad for mom. They didn't like their dad either. Gaia always bad mounting him, with good reasons, but the Titans were scared of Uranus and felt helpless to stop him. I have to keep it together for the kids, Gaia thought. Maybe I should give it another try with Uranus. Yeah. I know, that's a bad idea. So, um, so she arranged a nice romantic evening. Candles, roses, and soft music. They must have rekindled some of the old magic. A few months later, Gaia gave Bon to another set of triplets. As if she needed more proof that a marriage with Uranus was dead. The new kids were even more monstrous than the Cyclops. Each one had hundred arms all around his chest, like sea urchin spines, and fifty tiny, tiny heads clustered around on his soldiers' shoulders. It didn't matter to Gaia; she loved their faces, little faces, all hundred and fifty of them. She called the triplets the hundred-handed ones. She barely had time to give them names, though, when Oranus marched over, took one look at them, and snatched them from Gaia's arms. Without a word, he wrapped them in chains and tossed them to Tartarus like bags of recycling. Clearly, the sky dude had issues, bro. Well, that was pretty much it for Gaia. She wailed and moaned, causing so many earthquakes that her titan kids came running to see what was wrong. Your father is a complete dash! I don't know what she called him, but I have a feeling that's when the first cuss words were invented. She explained what had him happened. Then she raised her arms and caused the ground to rumble beneath her. She summoned the hardest substance she could find from her earthly domain, shaped it with her anger, and created the first weapon ever made. A curved iron blade about three feet long. She fixed it to a wooden handle made from a nearby tree branch and showed her invention to the titans. Behold, my children, the instrument of my revenge. I will call it a sight. The titans wanted them on themselves. What is this for? Why is it called? How do you spell sight? One of you needs to step up, Gaia cried. Oranus isn't worthy to be the king of the cosmos. One of you will kill him and take his place, said Gaia. The titans looked pretty uncomfortable. So, explain this whole killing thing, said Oceanius. Oceanius was the oldest titan boy. He mostly hung around in the far reaches of the sea with the primordial water god, with whom he called Uncle Pontus. What does it mean to kill? Oceanius asked. Uh, she wants us to exterminate our dad, Themis guessed. Themis was another uh, titan girl. You know, they had six boys and six girls, so 
basically Oceanius was the eldest of the boys. Themis, I'm not sure she was a girl at least. She was one of the smartest of the girls. She immediately got the concept of punishing someone for a crime. She's like, make him not exist anymore? Said Themis. How is that even possible? Asked her sister Rhea. Rhea is another titan, by the way. I thought we were all immortal, she asked. Gaia snarled in frustration. Don't be cowards. It's very simple. You take this sharp pointy blade and you cut your dad into small pieces so that he can't bother us again. Whichever of you does this will be the ruler of the universe. Also, I will make you those cookies you, you used to like with the sprinklers. Now, in modern times, we have a word for this kind of behavior. We call it psycho. But then, the rules of behavior were a lot looser. So maybe you'll feel better about your own relatives knowing that the first family in creation was also the first dysfunctional fan- family. The titans started mumbling and pointing to each other like, Hey, you'd be good at killing dad. Uh, no, I think you should do it. I love to kill dad, honestly, but I have got to do this thing. So, I'll do it, said a voice from the back. The youngest of the twelve titans shattered his shoulders his way forward. Cronus. He was smaller than his brother and sisters. He wasn't the smartest, or the strongest, or the fastest. But he was the most power-hungry. Well, I suppose when you're the youngest of the twelve kids, you're always looking for ways to stand out and get noticed. The youngest titan loved the idea of taking over the world, especially if it meant being the boss of all his siblings. Their offer of cookies with sprinklers sprinkles didn't hurt either. So Krona stood about nine feet tall, which was runty for a titan. He didn't look as dangerous as some of his brothers, but the kid was crafty. He'd already gotten the nickname the Crooked One, Crooked, C-R-O-O-K-E-D, among his siblings because he would fight dirty in their wrestling matches and was never where we expected him to be. He had his mother's smile and dark curly hair. He had his father's cruelty. When he looked at you, you could never tell if he was about to punch you or tell you a joke. His beard was kind of unnerving too. He was young for a beard, but he already started growing his whiskers into a single spike that jutted from his chin like the beak of a raven. When Cronus saw the sight, his eyes gleamed. He wanted that iron blade. Among his siblings, he understood how much damage it caused. As for killing Dad, why not? Orinus barely noticed him. Neither did Gaia for the matter. His parents probably don't even know this name. Cronus hated being God. He was tired of being the smallest and wearing all those stupid titan hand-me-doubts. I'll do it, he repeated. I'll chop up Dad. My favorite son, Gaia exclaimed. You are awesome. I knew I could count on you. Uh, which one of you? Which one are you again? Guys, got confused, you know. Cronus. <laughs> he managed to keep a smile, said Cronus. Hey, for a sight, cookies, and a chance to commit murder, Cronus could hide his true feelings. I will be honored to kill for you, mother, but we will have to do it my way. First, I want you to trick Oranus into visiting you. Tell him you're sorry. Tell him it's all your fault and you're going to cook him a fancy dinner to apologize. Just get him here tonight and act as if you still love him, said Cronus. Ugh, are you crazy, said Gaia. 
Just pretend, insisted Cronus. Once he's in human form and sitting next to you, I'll jump out and attack him. But I'll need some help, said Cronus. He turned to his siblings, who were all very interested in their own feet, solidly for some reason. Look, guys, said Cronus. If this goes bad, Oranus is going to take revenge of all of us. We can't have any mistakes. I'll need four of you to hold him down and make sure he doesn't escape back into the sky before I finish killing him. The others were silent. They were probably trying to imagine their shrimpy little brother Cronus taking on their huge violent dad. And they weren't liking the odds. Oh, come on, chided Cronus. I'll do the actual slicing and dicing. Four of you just need to hold him. When I'm king, I'll reward those four. I'll give them each a corner of earth to rule. North, south, east and west. One time offer. Who's with me? The girls were too wise to get involved in murder. They made their excuses and quickly left. The Oceanius, eldest son Oceanius, also cheered nervously. Oh, I have to get back to the sea for some aquatic stuff. Sorry. So that left only four of Cronus's brothers. Coyus, Hypatius, Creus, and Hyperion. Cronus smiled at them. He took the sight from Gaia's hands and tested its point, drawing a drop of golden blood from his own finger. So, golden blood. Actually, gods at that time didn't have, you know, our actual blood with, you know, that RBCs and stuff. They had golden blood, called Ikor, which is the blood of the gods, which uh, proves that they are immortal. Uh, so then, so four volunteers, said Cronus. Nice. I bet this cleared his throat. Uh, actually, Hyperion jabbed Hypatius with his elbow. We're in, Cronus, he promised. You can count on us. Excellent, said Cronus, which was the first time an evil genius ever said excellent. He told them the plan. That night, amazingly, Oranus showed up. Yay! He wandered into the valley where he usually met Gaia and frowned as he saw a sumptuous dinner laid out on the table. I got you know. Are you serious about making up? Absolutely! Gaia was wrapped in a breast, sleeveless dress. Her curly hair was braided with jewels, which are easy for her to get, being the earth, actually. She, and she smelled of roses and jasmine. She reclined on a sofa in the soft light of the candles and beckoned her husband to come closer. Oranus felt underdressed in his loincloth. He hadn't brushed his hair or anything. His nighttime skin was covered with dark, was dark and covered with stars. But that probably didn't count as a black tie for a fancy dinner. He was starting to think he should have at least brushed his teeth. Was he suspicious? I don't know. Nobody in the history of the cosmos had been lured into an ambush and chopped up to pieces before. He was going to be the first. Lucky guy. Also, he got, he got lonely hanging out in the sky too much. His only company was the stars, the god Aether, who was in fact a total airhead. Nix and Hemera, mother and daughter, who argued with each other every dawn and dusk. So, Uranus' palms felt sweaty. He'd forgotten how beautiful Gaia could be when she wasn't yelling up at his face. You're not angry anymore? he asked. Not at all, assured Gaia. And you're okay with me wrapping our kids in chains and throwing them into the abyss?
Gaya gritted her teeth and forced a smile. I am okay with it. Good, he grunted. Because those kids were ugly, said Orandis. Gaia patted the couch. Come sit with me, my husband. Orandis grinned and lumbered over. As soon as he settled in, Cronus whispered from behind the nearest boulder. Now! His four brothers jumped out from their hiding places. Cryus had disguised himself as a bush. Koyos had dug a hole for himself and covered it with branches. Hyperion had tucked himself under the couch. It was a large couch though. And Ipeaches was attempting to look like a tree with his arms held out for branches. For some reason it had worked. The four brothers grabbed Oranus. Each one of them took an arm or a leg and they wrestled their dad to the ground, stretching him out spread eagle. Cronus emerged from the shadows. His eye and sight glimmed in the starlight. Hello, father. What is the meaning of this? Oranus bellowed. Gaia, tell them to release me. Ha! Gaia rose from her couch. You gave our children no mercy. My husband, so you deserve no mercy. Besides, who wear a loincloth to a fancy dinner? I am disgusted, said Gaia. Oranus struggled in vain. How dare you? I am the lord of the cosmos. Not anymore, said Cronus, raising his sight. Beware, if you do this, uh, what was your name again? <laughs> this is so funny. Cronus, said himself. If you do this, Cronus, said Oranus, I will curse you. Someday, your own children will destroy you and take your throne, just as you are doing to me. <laughs> Cronus laughed. Let them try. We'll see about that later on. He brought down the site. He hit Oranus and Cronus chomped and Oranus growled in pain. It was like the most disgusting cheap budget horror movie you can imagine. Blood was everywhere. Droplets of golden icor splattered over the rocks and the stuff was so powerful that later on when no one was working, creatures rose from the icor. Three fissing winged demons called the Furies, the spirits of punishment. They immediately fled into the darkness of Tartarus. Other drops of sky blood fell on fertile soil, where they eventually turned into wild, but gentle creatures called nymphs and satyrs. Most of the blood just splattered everything. Seriously, those stains were never gonna come out of Cronus's shirt. Well done, brothers! Cronus grinned year to year, his sight dripping cold. Ipitus got sick on the spot. The others laughed and patted each other on the back. <laughs> Oh, my children, Gaia said. I am so proud. Cookies and punch for everyone, said Gaia. Before the celebration, Cronus gathered up the remains of his father in the tablecloth. Maybe because he resented his elder brother Oceanius for not helping with his mother, Cronus toted the stuff to the sea and tossed it in. The blood mixed with salty water and, well, you'll see what came from that later. Now you're going to ask, okay, so if the sky was killed, why do I look up and still see the sky? Answer is, I don't know. 
My guess is that Cronus killed Oranus in its physical form, so the Sky God could no longer appear on the Earth and claim kingship. They basically exiled him into the air. Well, he's not dead actually, but now he can't do anything but be the harmless dome over the world. Anyway, Cronus returned to the valley, and all the Titans had a party. Gaia named Cronus Lord of the Universe. She made him cool, one-of-a-kind collector's edition golden crown and everything. Cronus kept his promise and gave his four helpful brothers control of four corners of the earth. Hypatus became the Titan of the West. Hyperion got the East. Koyos took the North. And Cryus got the South. That night, Cronus lifted his glass of nectar, which was the drink of the immortals. He tried for a confident smile, since kids should always look confident, though truthfully, he was already starting to worry about Cronus' curse, Oranus' curse, that someday, Cronus' old children would dispose him. In spite of that, he yelled, My siblings, a toast! We have become a golden age! And if you like lots of lying, stealing, backstabbing and cannibalism, then please wait for my next episode because it was definitely a golden age for all that. Well then, I hope you liked this episode. You can find me on Instagram at the rate night and you can also read my blog on, you know, Google Chrome and any web browser you use at nilanight.blogspot.com. For those who are listening to this on Spotify and on Wink Music and all that, uh, I have this podcast, same, recorded with all the episodes on Chrome as well. The link for it is rss.com slash podcast slash Greek mythology with Nile. everything is small. And do not worry, everything that I've been said, there'll be a link of it just in the description of this episode. Please share this podcast with friends and family. It helps me a lot. So I look forward to meeting you in the next episode. So this is Nile, and I love this stuff.